We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back in to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall. I am joined, as always, tonight by Joel Penfield. Joel, we are about a week and a half, two weeks into the Major League season here. We are two weeks into the Minor League season. How are we feeling about the Royals, the entire organization right now? How are you feeling? Scale of one being your dog just died and <laughs> ten being the greatest feeling you, you could – I don't know. You tell me. Oh, well, baseball is currently being played. Um, whether how good or bad it is, uh, it's just baseball. But I'd say like a six and a half or seven. And most of that is graded by what the minor league system is doing in spots. Okay. Fair. Josh, what about you? Uh, I'm probably hitting at a five and a half. Let's do that. I'm floating around a four. Like, it could be worse. We could be not playing baseball, but sometimes I think if they weren't playing baseball, like my overall health, like the health of my beating heart and my mental well-being would be better off because I wouldn't have to watch Carlos Santana play baseball anymore. I was We were just talking about it. I went and looked it up. Since July 9th of last year, he's hitting 163 with a 34 weighted runs created plus. So if, you, if you're not familiar with weighted runs created plus, 100 is average. 34 means he has been 66% worse than the league average hitter since last July. He is hitting 163 in that time. He's hitting like 077 right now uh, in 2022. He is by far, well, not maybe not by far, he is a candidate, top two or three in Major League Baseball for the worst everyday player in Major League Baseball right now. He's awful. He's a, He is some kind of awful he has absolutely no juice left. He has no business being on a big league field. Vinny Pasquantino, the if you if you buy into the projections, is projected as the Royals' best offensive weapon right now. I, I don't understand what we're doing because Carlos Santana ain't it. But by God, we're we're gonna stick to our guns, right? Yeah, I mean I'm gonna talk about that later this week on One Royal Way that. But it's just at a certain point, it just becomes Einstein's definition of insanity. of just doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. The Royals have scored more than four runs in a game this season one time. It was a game they scored five runs. Is that true? Is that a real thing? I'm pretty sure. I, I you, can, you can fact check me there, but I think the only time they've scored more than four runs was that game in St. Louis when they lost 7-5 or whatever it was. So 
but and they've run with the exception of the Sunday lineup against the twin or the the Guardians, where Cam Gallagher got the start in the nine holes, the catcher and Salvi DH'd. It's been the same lineup roughly every day. It's been the same starting nine. And what we're what we've seen is a severe lack of production. And they're going to keep running it. They're going to keep beating their head into a brick wall, it seems, and until eventually they break through or they pass out. I didn't realize we were choosing violence when we hit record tonight, boys. <laughs> there's there's a lot of, a lot of positivity to talk about. Brad Keller looked great. Oh, we're no, going yeah, to get there. Yeah, That's, there are still yeah, good not... things, but here's the thing. In order to win games, you have to score runs, and we are watching a completely inept offense. Like – they are like they're not even like the Mar- the fun differential Mariners last year. Like they are just a special kind of bat that can't even get to fun differential. I will say Mike Matheny's ability to not put Ryan O'Hearn in the lineup every day has been cool to watch. That's Ryan right. O'Hearn is playing just as little as like Kyle Isbell, so that's at least a a starting point. But it's time it's time for some of these guys to be done. Carlos Santana needs to go. That's where we can start. That would be the first guy I'd start with. Is Carlos Santana? You got to go. And I would bring up Vinny P. And I would let I would let one kid play. Right? You don't have to bring them all up right now. You don't have to totally go to the kid movement. But it is embarrassing how bad that contract has turned out. And I was all for it. I loved the contract at the time. Yeah. I I, mm-hmm. I applauded Dayton Moore for the move at the time. And up until July of last year, it looked pretty good. Like. I used July 9th as the arbitrary cutoff for for bad. If we go back and just look at what Carlos Santana was doing before July 9th, he was actually hitting the ball really well. So yep. from the beginning of last season through July 8th, Carlos Santana was hit, had a 373 on base and a 120 rated weighted runs created plus. He was 20% better than league average. I know he got hurt and I know there was some, you know, some questions about how he was feeling. He had 15 home runs in the first half of the season last year. Like there is clearly something that has happened, an injury, something in his personal life that has happened, but he cannot be an everyday player anymore. And the Royals are just willing to keep beating the dead horse. Like nobody's trading for him at this point. You can move on safely and not lose anything because all you're going to get for him is, is another Casey Kalich. They, they got Casey Kalich last year for Jorge Soler You've got both. That was, the, arms that was the example I was going to use. Everybody just, was writing him off at this time last year too. Yeah, just just move on. Just let it be. Move on and, and go do something else because this is this is hard to watch. And you're going to start losing the fans. Eight thousand fans on a Thursday night. Sixteen thousand on a Friday night. That's not good. That is really really bad. And you've got to do something uh, to to get them drawn back into the game. Let's let's talk about some positivity really quick, Josh. Brad Keller was stellar in his yep. first two outings. Um, that was that was a really good to see. That's a really good development. And if there's any feather in the Cal Eldred cap, it's Brad Keller, right? Um, I mean, Eldred, it, Cal Eldred, you could probably talk about Dayton more because how many Rule 5 picks actually work out. I mean, they plucked him out of a system, pinpointed him, and then have turned him into a viable option, whether that's – I mean, it's obviously not a one, probably not a two, but – Somewhere between that three and four or five starter range, I mean, that's a victory, right? Would you sign him to an extension right now? I don't know. It, I don't know. I, so I you're know not, you're not that optimistic. You're not there I, yet. He's he's obviously proven that he can be a major league pitcher. I don't know what his value would be at this point, but 
sure as hell. Give them, give them a three, four, five year. I mean, not year, but a range value starter money. I'm fine with that. That's fine. Joel, are you ready to extend Brad Keller yet? Again, yeah. I think if if you're extending him as like a three or four, and you're giving him, I don't know. I think ten to twelve a year sounds about fair for a guy. So you can, yeah, like a three for thirty six or something like that. Buy out a couple of years of free agency. I, I would do that. Brad Keller is like twenty six years old. I think I'd give him five for sixty and see if he takes it. Because you know, yeah. maybe you don't know, but I'm pretty confident that bare minimum Brad Keller'd be a really good reliever. Um, yeah. Which, if you're a really good reliever, twelve million is not outstanding but it's serviceable right you can live with a really good reliever for 12 mil and if he's out there eating innings and then it's surplus value yeah, I, so I, I'm I, ready I do send him I, I will I will contend though the only the only thing that concerns me a little bit is he was really good in 2018 when he came up and was young and like a rule five pick and there wasn't a, a ton out on him 19 he was kind of up and down 20 he was really good in the short season awful last year and so you're you're got a little bit of a mixed bag. I think five years that would worry me a little bit. I'd go shorter, maybe a little more money, and see where it sticks there. That, that's he just shut my, down the last two full seasons. Now, if right? he, yeah, the rest of the season, if he if he's nails like he is and pitches to like a three five or three six ERA, then shoot, yeah, I lock I'd lock him down definitely. Hunter Dozier, Andrew Benintendi still hitting well well for the big league club. Um, these are these are good problems to have is when you've got guys who are blocking your prospects who are hitting and Benintendi the first time somebody called about him I'd, I'd send him off bye go go play somewhere else um, take take what you can get because speaking of a mixed bag Benintendi a guy last year started off did he start off hot yeah he started, he started off, off hot, so, gets cold, he started off gets hurt. I think he started off slow got hot got hurt, hurt was bad and then was good down the stretch. I thought it was very around, but we'll it could see. have been right. Regardless, it was a roller coaster. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. you're right, Joel. He got off the little bit of a slow start, got hot, got hurt, was bad, was good again. Um, I would just, I would, I would ride the wave. And if he, if somebody calls and asks, I'd trade him, let Kyle Isbell, let Edward Olivares go out there and play, but it's good. I mean, those are good problems to have, right? You want your assets to be performing well. And just because Andrew Benintendi is taking at bats away from younger guys who we think are, more likely to be part of the future. Um, I'm all in on trading Benintendi at the first possible sale. Uh, Joel, if you had the opportunity to extend Benintendi to something similar like 5 and 65 and 75 or trade him, which way, which coin are you flipping there? I would trade him because I do think if he continues on the path he's on right now, he might price himself above that. And I wouldn't pay more than 15 a year for him. Josh? If, you're Kansas, if you're Kansas City, at least. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I mean, he, he's been a great hitter so far. I still have question marks about how sustainable that is, but I would still probably trade him. And then, I mean, we're going to start running into a lot more traffic jams with these seemingly uh, not missing prospects between like Prado, Vinny, Melendez, uh, Lofton. I mean, these guys are going to need places to play, and they're going to need vacancies where there are just okay players. And I think Ben Attendee is a good player. Okay to good is probably the range I'd stick him in. Right now he's playing really, really well, but, I mean, it's a long season. So as as those sample sizes that we've kind of talked about are so small, you probably got to deal with the same kind of, you know, small sample size with the success of Ben Attendee. So I'm more gambling on the roster spot than I am a Ben Attendee sustaining this at a great rate as opposed to an average to good rate. I'm with you. I don't think he is a – player you can build around he's not a guy 
that I'm giving a bunch of money to be the centerpiece of an offense long term. Um, you know, like I said, it's awesome that your assets are performing, but I am on the side of flip him at the first possible sale. Uh, let the kids play a little bit. Um, it's weird that a, a, a podcast like ours who follows the minor league system wants to wants to just cash in for lottery tickets, right? I, Shocking, right? <laughs> I and and I say that like I under like and I, and I get probably where where people think I'm coming from, but I am 100 like. I just I'm not a huge believer in Benintendi. So as much as I am tired of seeing some of these older guys play, um, I really just don't think it's I don't think Benintendi is that answer. I would rather see them go uh, with one of their homegrown guys and 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 save the money for for something else down the road because for probably gonna spend seven. it on the rotation. Well, number seven, and also they're gonna have to spend it on the rotation at some yep. point because their total inadequate ability to develop pitching in the rotation is just it's gonna kill them. So um, got to save some money for that. I would go with a cheap bat and then pay a pitcher because you're going to have to find, go find somebody. Yep. Like Frankie uh, Montas. No, not, we're not, we're not doing that right now. Um, did, wait, how, how close was he to being traded to, to the White Sox? I know that report came out that it was close. Did, did anybody ever see if there were players? Um, the White Sox didn't want to give up Andrew Vaughn. It was supposed to be a one for one, right? And they said, yeah, no. I don't know if it was one for one, but I know the, that Oakland wanted Vaughn. And mm-hmm. Chicago wouldn't bite, so yeah, I, I don't know if that made it fall through, and they're still in talks. But uh, that was Vaughn's hot I heard too. He got out to a hot start too, mm-hmm. so I can't blame him. Interesting. Any any last thoughts on the big league team before we get going here? I'll talk more about it later this week. Be ready for it. I mean, we thought this team was a, somewhere between seventy five and an eighty win team. Anyways, this is what they do. So, I mean, this they're they're. Meeting expectations for most people, and I don't. Nobody should should be surprised by this. Fair enough. All right. Before we get into our minor league minute, uh, thanks to Kansas City Strength and Conditioning for picking up the show uh, this year for the 2022 season. And here's a really quick uh, word from our sponsor, KCSC. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, boys, let's get into the minor league minute. Our minor league minute this year is brought to you by Drum Farm, Drum Farm Center for Children, uh, Foster Care Facility, and Lee Summit right there off Lee Summit Road, um, right there by the golf course. Uh, they've got the... They, you know, they've got homes for kids in foster care. They've got homes. Uh, it's their compass program for kids who have aged out of the foster care system. So they have someone to look after them, uh, a place to go when they turn 18 and they have aged out. So thanks to Drum Farm for picking up the minor league minute. Um, let's do it. Let's start in low A, the Columbia Fireflies being led by 18-year-old Carter Jensen. Um, Carter Jensen of Park Hill High School here in Missouri, has the best OPS on the team at 840. So he is uh, – so, by the way, when we were talking about Carter Jensen previously, I actually thought he turned 19 here soon. Like, I knew he was 18, but I thought technically this was his age 19 season, and I was wrong. Carter Jensen, he doesn't turn 19 until July 3rd, which means this is his age 18 season all year, right? So – That'll make models' uh, ears prick up a little bit when an 18-year-old is hitting like this in full season ball. But again, you have an 18-year-old leading the team in OPS, and maybe that's actually not true. Daryl Collins is leading the team in yeah. OPS at 923, so my bad. Um, Daryl Collins didn't play the other day, so he wasn't in the lineup. I didn't see that. So Daryl Collins, 923 OPS. He's just 20 years old. And then Carter Jensen, 18, and 840 OPS. All three home runs that he hit last week, were absolute nuclear projectiles. Um, I expected Carter Jensen to be pretty good. I predicted he might hit 20 home runs when we did our bold predictions um, at the beginning of the season. But even I didn't think that he would have a strikeout-to-walk ratio of .75, an ISO over 300, three home runs in the first week and a half. He has exceeded all expectations for me, and he's hitting a buck 94. I mean – you guys have been watching the games. Josh, I'll start with you. He hit a ball to the center fielder for an out the other day. He hit a home run in his first at bat, and then he lined out to the center fielder. I mean, he was hitting nukes all over the place. How impressed have you been by the 18-year-old at a Park Hill so far this season? I mean, the name that I kept hearing whenever they drafted him was Kyle Schwarber, and that was huge shoes to fill in from a hitting tools perspective. Uh, to him, To see him actually living up to that point, even all the way, like, I mean, that's what Schwarber does is he takes walks, he hits dingers, and that's basically it. So it's incredibly impressive that he's been able to do that uh, this early in his career. Um, he's also spreading around the field quite a bit. He's got a 33.3% to pull rate, 37.5 to center, and then 292 to right field. So he's spreading it out way more than you kind of thought. And like you said, only hitting 194, he's got a 150 BABIP and only an 18.2% line drive rate. So there's, I mean, reason to believe that his stock is only going to be going up from where it is currently, and it's already massive. So uh, that's that's huge to see him, what he's doing at the plate for his age. It's also encouraging to see what he's doing behind the plate. He's got five stolen bases on him. He's already, he's caught four dudes. 
And just for reference, the leader and the current leader in the major leagues is Jacob Stallings, who's got a five stolen base to three caught stealing. So he's right. I mean, his arm is legit. His work behind the plate. He's he talked about it with us uh, before we came here, or I guess it was the first episode. What mm-hmm. the he is trying to take. He's concentrating, focusing on that work behind the plate. It's absolutely showing. So I'm pumped to see him doing so well uh, this early in his career. Joel, any thoughts on Jensen? Yeah, well, what, the calling card for him when uh, at our previous place we recorded the show when we talked about uh, Carter Jensen was the numbers he put up, like the track man numbers or like mm-hmm. the like the bat, like what it, I can't remember what it's called, but like the the little like knob you can put at the bottom of the bat that shows like EV and stuff like that. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was 90th percentile like major league number type stuff. Uh, the max exit velocity was, tri- you know, well over triple digits. And so that gives you reason to believe as a high schooler, like he's going to hit the ball hard. He's going to make it work in that way. But to see him now starting to elevate, to elevate the ball the way he is against this pitching, to, to still walk 16% of the time as an 18 year old first year full season ball tells that he's not too antsy. He's not trying to do too much with it. He's letting the ball come to him. And then you're seeing the, the dividends of that hitting the ball over the wall. And to see him do that now, I can only imagine what he's going to do by June. Once it gets hotter, he's in, he's in the Carolinas. It's going to get hot. It's going to get muggy. Ball's going to fly. So mm. I, I there is a lot to like about what he's doing right now. Well, and the the one thing I liked about the third home run he hit, it was a 2-0 pitch. He gets a fastball in, and he turned on it, met it out front, and then hit it a mile and a half. Like, he is hunting pitches to do damage on. And and like you said, he's letting the ball he's letting the ball come to him, and he's, and he's comfortable in it. But, like, there's also a piece of it where, like, he's got a plan – and his plan is, I'm going to let the ball come to me until I get into an advantageous count, and then I'm going hunting. Like, I'm going on the offense, right? And I am going to be offensive with my approach. And and the ability to do that, like the ability to differentiate and separate when to be patient and when to attack as an 18-year-old is rare. Like, an example I'll bring up now, Eric Pena striking out 47% of the time. Eric Pena has got some serious approach issues. Eric Pena's hit tool, his ability to put the bat on the ball is average. Like, it's not his calling card, but it's not the problem either. Eric Pena's issue right now is he is so antsy, wants to swing at everything so bad that he's exposing himself to everybody who's watching, right? So with Carter Jensen, I think the biggest difference is he's not exposing himself. He's like, you're going to throw my pitch or I'll wait for it. And then with two strikes, I'll defend. And then if you're going to fall behind in the count, I'm going hunting. I will hunt the fastball. I'm going to hunt my pitch, and I'm going to hit it over the fence. So that's the biggest difference that I've seen so far between Jensen and a guy like Pena is just being comfortable in your skin, being comfortable in your approach, being comfortable in what it is that you do well, where Pena is swinging at everything at all costs. And he's done some damage to Mm -hmm. long home runs. I mean, we've seen the tools. Mm -hmm. They, They are flashy. Oh yeah, but you cannot swing everything. And uh, right now, I mean, he's Pena is not Suli Matias, but by God, he's got to stop swinging so much. So that's the thing that's impressed me the most with Jensen and Joel. You hit it on the head, just being comfortable, letting the game come to me, and then having the ability to turn it on offense when when hitter, pitchers fall down in the count is so impressive, and it's so cool to see. Uh, we mentioned Eric Pena striking out a ton. Wilman Candelario also striking out over forty percent of his plate appearances. A guy that I was excited to watch just because the numbers were pretty flashy in Arizona last year. Uh, Yaswell De Los Santos, um, an outfielder, 40%, 48% strikeout rate. Uh, Joel, you mentioned it before we started. Strikeout rate city. Like these guys are having a really tough time early on. Yeah. 
and I think it shows like the volatility that is possible when, when you talk about guys at low A. It also talks about how good I think it speaks to how good some of the Royals' upper level hitters are that we've seen go through. It. Yeah, all there. They've moved through the system. It's like okay, that's the difference, right, between a guy borderline or into the top 100, and then guys who are still kind of working their way through. So, um, really quick, Joel, any final thoughts um, about the offense there in Columbia? Not really. I want to take it right to Eric Sarantola, man. He shoved the other day. That was awesome to watch. Yeah, 10 what was it? 10 strikeouts and 5 innings. 10, 10 strikeouts and 5 innings. The the curveball's ridiculous. It has mm. great shape, great spin, good depth and any other scouting term you want to use. I mean, it's it's a really legit plus pitch and I loved his fastball. It's not necessarily a sinker, but he gets really nice late arm side run running into a righty uh, that plays really nice especially when he runs it away from a lefty i mean it starts on the out middle away and is in the other batter's box by the time he gets there and it's getting swing and misses and generating a lot of them so uh to see him in one of his first starts really get a role in there uh really encouraging another college pitcher uh that should probably start working his way up here soon especially if he can stack a couple of those outings on top of each other I he did he struck out nine of his first 11 hitters in that game um (laughs) doesn't get much more dominant than that that's yeah. that's pretty stupid. I I do wonder if there is a sinker and a four seamer in there because there was some flat four seamer looking, and he also was working in a change. But there was some interesting things. Uh, it looked like there was a sinker being thrown as well. But yeah, working top of the zone with that heater somewhere in the mid nineties, and then throwing that hammer curve and it's making people look stupid. So it was a huge dominant start. Nice bounce back from his. Uh, not so great first start, so it's good to see him bounce back. Ben Hernandez made his first start last week, four scoreless innings, four strikeouts and a walk. Uh, Ryland Kaufman made a couple of – or no, just – yeah, a couple of relief appearances, eight strikeouts and five and two-thirds. He's a guy – the stuff is gnarly. I mean, there's not a lot of guys, period, with his flat ability. He's now 23 in low A. I'd be surprised if, if you know, at the end of the season we're really excited about – what Rylan Coffin's going to bring, but a guy to watch. I mean, there's not a lot of lefties that throw 96 with his breaking ball. A couple guys, or a guy that flew under the radar that I mentioned in the preseason once, um, Herbert Garcia. Six strikeouts and in five innings, only the one run, no walks. I'm going to have to break down the film after two, three outings because it's not overly impressive stuff, but combined with his ability to pitch and, and mix pitches and sequence Really intriguing arm that we'll talk about. I want I want to get out of low A here and spending a little bit of time on low A. But uh, another intriguing arm. There's there's a lot of intrigue down there. There's a lot of volatility like we've been talking about, but a lot of intrigue as well. So um, that is your Columbia Fireflies. They are back home uh, this week. I don't remember who they who they're hosting, but they are back home this week starting on Tuesday. I think that should be by the time you're listening to this, it will be Tuesday. But I think Ben Hernandez is starting tonight on Tuesday. So. Might get a couple of Ben out. Ben Hernandez starts this week, so uh, we'll, we'll be fun to watch that. Let's jump up to high A, where Tyler Gentry is absolutely ripping the cover off of baseballs. Tyler Gentry is hitting 545 with a 1.539 OPS. That is good for a 324 weighted runs created plus. Totally sustainable. Totally sustainable. Yeah, 100%. Yes, absolutely. Um, he did not play in every game. He was kind of in an every other game. He almost didn't make it um, out of the preseason. 
uh, that injury from last year was still kind of nagging him. So just the fact that he's out there playing is good. Uh, I'm sure he will he will be working his way back uh, here soon. But Tyler Gentry is absolutely hammering the cover off the ball. That was one of Josh's bold predictions is that, jo- that Gentry will be back in our top 20 uh, by the end of the season. That looks absolutely like a slam dunk. Uh, Luca Tresh also hitting the ball really well. Luca Tresh batting 296 with a 122 weighted runs created plus. Um, he hit a ball that he pimped there in Quad <laughs> Cities. He knew it as soon as he got it. And it was a simple bat flip. It wasn't like he was trying to show everybody up, but just wanted everybody to know that he knew he got it. Kind of one yeah. of those things. So that those are the um, best ones to me because it's like I'm so disgusted that this guy is even on the same field as me that I'm just gonna drop this real quick and take my jog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Outstanding bat flip. So Tyler Gentry's hitting the ball well, Luca Tresh hitting the ball well. Um, any thoughts, guys, on the Quad Cities River Bandits? Josh, go ahead. Uh, Juan Carlos Negret also hit his first dinger as well. Um, but it was like both of those do all both those dudes and Gentry, all three of them hit home runs in the same game. Uh, Tresh pimped it. Negret knew he got it as well, and Gentry was the one who put one off the scoreboard. Just throwing that out there, he was he was the one that put it up big. But I mean, I'm not going to take a victory lap because I'm going to say way more wrong things than I am on Tyler Gentry. Plus, it's you know still very early in the season, but he is doing very well. Uh, very like happy with what he's done. I am a little bit nervous that it's a bit of fool's gold, a little bit because two of those doubles were definitely more opportunistic base running situations than they were about him hitting it hard, still hitting the hard, you know, still hitting that massive Jack got another one. And then he's had a couple line drives that were just on the nails, but um, it was I say on the nails on the screws is what I meant. Uh, but he did have one double. I tweeted about it. Where it was a infield fly that the first baseman, second baseman could not, figure it out and he made it all the way to second on so it was just opportunistic i'm trying not to get too you know pumped up about his stock and being able to sustain this high uh ops that he has but it's it's very encouraging to see to start out for sure joel any thoughts on that quad cities offense the one guy that it popped out to me and i didn't even really notice it until now but Eric gonzalez it has a 152 way to run created plus to start the year admittedly i don't know a ton about him but that's a guy that certainly to keep an eye on for other people. 842 OPS to start the year. Uh, so walking 13% of the time, striking out around 30, but the walks at least balance some of that out. Can be a guy to keep an eye on there. He's a lot of fun to watch. He plays a lot of flair, a lot of energy. Um, like just like pure entertainment value. Gerard Gonzalez is one of my favorite guys to watch. I don't know what kind of a prospect he is. I think we had him in our honorable mention preseason. So. There, there are some tools that are fun to watch, but in terms of pure entertainment value and the joy that players bring to the game, he's fun to watch. Absolutely. Also kind of wild, um, just looking at early season stats are always kind of funny because they can get super wonky, like Tyler Gentry having a being 224% better than league average. Uh, but Burl Dixon is striking out on 50% of his plate appearances, and he has a 116 way to run straight a plus. He's hitting 321. Yeah. He is crazy. hammering the baseball when he hits it. I mean, he, more, he more tools than your dad's garage, man. <laughs> they call those guys the three true outcome guys. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's him. That um, on the mound, Tyson Guerrero, 10 strikeouts and in 7.2 innings. Not a guy I had a lot of expectations for coming into the season. But he pitches, and, and that's the thing with a lot of these prospects is some of them just throw. Tyson Guerrero's up there pitching, and, and, and there's a difference, right? There's a difference between mm-hmm. just up there hucking stuff across the plate and seeing if it gets across. 
and Tyson Guerrero up there dicing guys up with maybe not quite um, above average stuff. He's 92, 93, great curveball, but I mean, it's not overly impressive. Um, Adrian Alcantara, 13 strikeouts to just three walks in seven innings and two relief outings. Oh, yeah. I, I've always liked Adrian Alcantara a little bit. I picked him because I thought he would throw a lot and strike some guys out in our fantasy league. He's been incredible, and his off-speed mm-hmm. is legitimately the combination of slider, curveball, splitter, is among the best in the entire organization. I am buying in on Alcantara as a legitimate starting pitching prospect, which coming into the year, I liked him. Like I, I knew he was good. I knew he'd be a good minor leaguer, but would he ever be more than Marcelo Martinez, just get to AAA and get you know flame out? I don't know. I, I'm starting to think there might be something there. He's already 22, but – he, he's pitched at every level. He doesn't get hit around a ton. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. But Adrian Alcantara is giving me a reason to continue to watch him, which when you're a prospect and you get into high A, double A, keep giving the scouts a reason to watch you, and you'll and you'll continue to get opportunities at the next level until you just prove you can't handle it anymore. So really excited for what I've seen from Adrian Alcantara in the early going. You think uh, he gets up to double A before the end of the year? Yeah. Could be something to watch. I think so. I think think promoting a ton of pitchers out of double A. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that could be, it's not necessarily like uh, you have 100% earned, you know, you're just too good for high. It could be just that there's a mass exodus from the Mm -hmm. Texas league and he, he gets an opportunity. Uh, But also, I mean, he's making dudes look like, you know, like they're flailing up there at some of his pitches. So it could be by July he is just too good for the level, and they just send him up just to see what he's got. Yeah, because he spins it really, really well. I he mean, does. fastball's 94-95. It's good, but he can really spin it. Um, speaking of double-A, let's jump up to the Naturals, where Michael Garcia hitting four oh six in the early going. I mean, Josh, I know you want to talk about him, so let's just jump into Michael Garcia real quick. I mean, it's Michael Garcia's world where he's living it at this point. That's just where we are. The dude does everything well. Just absolutely incredible. We thought we gushed about him that first week. Here we are talking to him again. Uh, for this last week, he was slashing 400, 520, and 450 with five walks and four strikeouts. That's too many strikeouts. Come on, man. It's just your your, your <laughs> walk to strikeout ratio is like a four right now, whatever. Uh, also three stolen bases. But the thing I wanted to kind of talk about is – his long-term ceiling what are we comping him it it doesn't seem like his power is there it's i mean unless he unless he develops into it i just he just his body's just not at that point right now he's only put up three home runs i believe last year in his good season um so i don't think his power is going to be there but he legitimately does everything else well we talked about his plate approach his hitting for average his bat to ball skills and his defense is supposed to be the best part about him so there's a very high ceiling here, I think, but I was wanting to pose the question to you guys. What's the realistic long-term ceiling that we can expect from Michael Garcia? Everything works out, and he's you know potentially working on major league career. What's the ceiling? I think the comp that I threw on him is, is his cousin. It's Alcides Escobar. But Ooh, I think the, the, the difference between Michael Garcia and Alcides Escobar is that Michael Garcia is actually willing to work a walk. Michael Garcia <laughs> is walking in twenty, almost 25% of his plate appearances at AA, which he will not do. But he walked in 16% of his plate appearances. 
at low A, 10% of them at high A last year. And Alcides Escobar, if you go back, when he was in high A, 5% of the time, 2.5% at double A, 45 and 5%, triple A, 6%. Like Alcides Escobar, we know, was not willing to take a walk. Michael Garcia is actually able, willing and able to work a count. But then once he gets to that point, it's hit tool, overpower, great defense, great runner. Um, people may forget that Alcides Escobar stole 35 bases in a big league season and 31 in another season. Michael Garcia stole 35 bases in low A and high A last year. I think he's capable of stealing 30 in the big leagues too. So you've got a player very much like Alcides Escobar. And I, and you know, I never know like how people remember Alcides Escobar because he started all those games. Analytical Royals fans hated him. The traditional Royals fans loved him. And I think the real way to remember Alcides Escobar is somewhere in between, right? Mm -hmm. He's somewhere in between should have been batting leadoff and shouldn't have been playing. He should have been the Royals nine hole. He should have been playing gold glove caliber defense and just, and just being a catalyst at the bottom of the lineup. Instead, Ned ran him at the top of the lineup, which was awesome for game one of the world series in 2015, pretty much sucked every other time it mattered. So I don't know. I think if Michael Garcia can give you that be almost league average offensively and be a great defender, like if you look at 2012, Alcides Escobar, 97 weighted runs created plus. And that's like the also, by the way, the one year the defensive metrics hated him and he was worth two and a half wins. Um, if you go to a year 2014, 93 weighted runs created plus. So 7% below league average offensively. Defensive metrics loved him. Three and a half win player. That's outstanding. We would take mm-hmm. that every day of the week from Michael Garcia. Yeah. I don't know that he'll ever hit for enough power to be like a four-win player, but if he can be two to three, that's that's outstanding value. You would take that from an everyday shortstop if he's your nine-hitter, right? Now we talked about him potentially being a top 100 guy by the end of this year or sooner, but I, I do just wonder if that's a possibility with that lack of power. So it's That's the biggest I, thing. Alcides Escobar yeah. was a top five prospect in baseball with Milwaukee. He was like number two for a long oh, time. Oh, shoot. I did not know like, that. I didn't okay. know that either. Now, we've evolved. We, we, yes. we recognize the the value and power now. But right. I don't I mean Nick Madrigal was a top 50 prospect in baseball. That was, I don't know. That was always, I was never on board with that because he always screamed Nicky Lopez to me, which is a good, is a good player. I mean, but again, if you're not hitting for power, you're obviously a run scorer, but. I mean, I, th- where, I think some of that? the Nick the Nick Magical stuff was where he got drafted, where he went yeah. to school. I think that Absolutely was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He was a top three talking, pick that went to Oregon State. He was going to be a top about him being a top one hundred prospect. They've they've shown a willingness to put guys like that in there before. I'm not saying they'll do it to Garcia, but if he, I mean, not that he's going to hit at this clip for very long, but <laughs> if he hits, dude, if he hits three thirty with an on base near four hundred and is stealing yeah. bases, his defense, I think it can carry him to that level. Because he's 22 years old playing double A. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm not yeah. saying he's going to be, you know, a surefire guy, but I really believe he's capable. And, and you know, I've, I was raving about him all offseason, but Michael Garcia is absolutely a guy Royals fans would know more about if it wasn't for uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, on the mound down there in double A, uh, it has not been great. Drew Parrish has been spotty at best like it's it's not been what we expected it's not been even what it was last year asa lacy's era is 4.6 despite having 13 strikeouts in nine and two-thirds innings uh anthony veneciano has just two strikeouts and two starts with eight walks 
Angel Zerpa, just four strikeouts in six innings with an ERA over 10. I mean, it's not been awesome down there early on, especially for a Wichita team that's not really that good. So I I would anticipate that cleaning up. We thought that could be the best part of that team, right, coming into the season. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. Pitching staff and the rotation could be the best part of what's going on down there. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you. What have you seen on the mound, and, and is there – do you have any reason to believe like anything that you've seen like, whoa, let's calm down. This will get better here pretty quick. Well, I think the, the, we're, we got to start with Ace and Lacey. Um, so far was a nine and a half or 9.2 innings pitch, six hits, five earned five walks, 13 K's. The 13 K's is absolutely spectacular. Just kind of dream about him doing. We knew he was going to do that when he was going to walk guys in that first start, he went four innings pitched. I'm sorry, from five inning pitch, but in the fourth inning, he had to strike three out number three that passed by Sebastian Rivero. And if he makes that out, he ends the inning, four innings pitch, zero hits, zero earned, one walk and five Ks. He fell apart after that. And depending on, I mean, they even beyond that, if the scorekeeper calls that a pass ball instead of a wild pitch, he's only given up two earned runs on the year. So I, I think if that little small thing uh, goes differently. We're talking about Ace Lacy in an entirely different light, I think, at that point. So I thought a second start was a lot more promising. Only gave up two earned and seven base runners on seven Ks. I'm into it. The other part about that is the bounce back rebound starts for the other guys you mentioned. Alec Marsh, 4.2 innings pitched, nine Ks, two earned. Drew Parrish, five innings pitched, three Ks, three earned. That's kind of what Drew Parrish does. He's, he's, you know, he's going to potentially get that minor league quality start like that. Uh, so we'll see Zerpa four innings pitch, six hits, four, four Ks and Veneziano three innings pitch, six hits, four earned and two Ks. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but a lot of those dudes had pretty good solid bounce back starts in their second go around. Uh, so I think we can just pump the brakes on uh, worrying about them right now. Joel, yeah. how are you feeling about that team at double A? Yeah, I, I'm not incredibly worried right now. It seems like they're kind of sleepwalking right now. Like they're, I don't know. It's hard to say with minor leaguers, but it feels like some, maybe some of it was like kind of read the press clippings of how good they were going to be. And they've kind of, you know, just kind of walked through a little bit thinking they could just win on talent alone. And that's not the case. I think they're going to get it right here soon. I think that there's just too much talent on this team for them not to bounce back and just start winning ball games, especially with some of the starts that some of these guys have had. And then uh, Michael Garcia and Michael Massey has been solid the last few, uh, few weeks. Lacey, he, I think he's going to be just fine. He seems like he's starting to get it dialed in a little more. The command is always going to be okay, but if he's anywhere close to the strike zone, we're, we've seen the results. So, especially with how health, with him being healthy this year. So, big test against Frisco this week, but I feel pretty good about where they're at. I'm not. It's too early in the season to to be worried about about much. Uh, one one good start and one good series for a lot of these guys, and the numbers are going to look a lot better. Let's jump up to AAA Omaha hey, where Vinny passed. Can I, can I hit one more point real yeah. quick from AA? Okay. So if I told you that Suli Matias was striking out 30% of the time, he had no home runs, and he had a 90 weighted runs created plus, what would you think his average batting average would be? I know batting average, batting average isn't everything, but it, it's interesting here. What, what Actually, do you think is that? He's hitting 321. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually looked that up and I was like, up what? A lot. Oh, I know no. like, he is not going to hit 321 for a full season. Like he's probably going to hit 230 or 240, but it is kind of crazy because I, I was looking, I was like, damn, he's sitting 321. It's how many home runs does he have yet? And I had to go back and score like, 
He has zero. <laughs> so well, it's it shows of, a change in approach. Absolutely. He shortened his swing up. He's not yeah. trying to clobber the baseball as often. Like with two strikes, he's showing an actual willingness to, I mean, not literally choke up, but to, to choke up, so to speak, shorten up your swing and put the ball in play. I've been impressed because oh, yeah. everything we've seen from Sully Matias up to this point has been Mongo hit ball, right? <laughs> Just how far can I hit this thing every single time he goes to the plate? And now he's shown a willingness to shorten up. I mean, we, we saw this. We see this from guys all the time, like Chris Davis. Chris Davis, when he was going through that slump in Baltimore, looked like a caveman swinging a club. It's like there was no approach. There was no rhyme or reason to anything he was doing. I mean, he was awful for a long time. Sully Matias did some of that at times. It was like, is there? are you trying to do anything but hit the ball as far as you can? And this year, I think you can see tangible evidence of an approach and tangible evidence of trying to be better with two strikes, which is out, which is outstanding. I, I love that we've seen it. And, and that's the kind of adjustment he was going to have to make to make it. Now the power has to come back. Like he's, he's not a prospect without the 80 grade power, but if we can get some combination of that 30% strikeout rate with the two strike approach and that early account power, you've got a prospect on your hands all of a sudden. So I'm, I'm glad you went back and got him Joel, because it, there is tangible evidence of changes being made to his approach. And it's, it's worth getting excited about. Absolutely. So I say all this to say, you know, we've talked about the change in approach and it's nice to see, I'm going to be at the game in Frisco on Friday. Cause I'm going out of Texas to see my, my college buddies. I need to see him hit a ball 485 feet. So if he could just uncork one and swing out of his ass just once, I would appreciate it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't mean to be the Debbie down here, but he did hit 143 last week. He was two for 14 with four strikeouts and one walk. So let's just talk. You are, just, you are messing with my narrative. You are let's messing just, with my narrative. Just pump the brakes here. Let's let's just pump the brakes, not get too excited about this. I agree that he is absolutely shortened up his swing, and he does look pretty good. I mean, he's he looks great at that plate anyways. But, uh, yeah, the approach, we'll, we'll just see where we are after week three. I miss hosting on Zoom because I would have muted you. I would have just <laughs> you reality. Not, I don't have that power anymore. I can't mute you. I'm gonna have to like type in the chat over here. Tucker, mute him. <laughs> I'll send Omaha, Alex. Sorry to interrupt. No, oh, it's okay. One more I'm thing. glad you went. Logan Porter, him. great week last week. Shut up. Okay, so <laughs> you did. He he, great, I just want to be positive here. I don't want to be Zabie Downer. I'm Logan gonna Porter try to be positive. Week. Vinny Pasquantino <laughs> batting 297 with a 449 on base. In a 142 weighted runs created plus. That 142 weighted runs created plus, by the way, is the lowest mark he's ever had in the minor leagues. So, <laughs> I mean, if that tells you anything about what he's done throughout his minor league career, I am ready for the Pasquantino show in the big leagues. I'm mm -hmm. done with Carlos Santana. I know we talked about that earlier. I'm ready. He appears to be ready. He's walking more than he strikes out. The power hasn't come around yet, so maybe you let him hit a few home runs and, and get his confidence back up. Uh, but that is the last thing that I need to see. And he hit a double and a triple down the right field line in his last game uh, on Sunday in Omaha. So Vinny Pasquantino, we, we mentioned it, Joel, in, in the, on the podcast in the preseason several times. There's a good shot that Vinny Pasquantino could get called up before Nick Prado. And I think you're seeing why. Nick Prado, we'll get to him in a minute. The one thing that concerns me right now with him is he stopped walking um yeah. for whatever reason so but the, the the difference in the approach and the difference in contact rate is the reason we could see Vinny P before Nick Prado 
and Nick Prado has played some left field and right field. I think they're prepping to have them both in a big league lineup here pretty soon with Vinny P taking a lot of reps at first base. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but Vinny Pasquantino can pick it around the bag. He'll remind folks a little bit of Eric Hosmer at first base. He's not going to get anything that's not hit right at him, but his hands and feet around the bag are really advanced. He's not going to drop balls. He'll scoop them out of the dirt. Um, so he doesn't have the range like Nick Prado, but Eric Hosmer won a gold glove just catching what was thrown and hit at him. So um, anyway, Vinny P is tearing the cover off the ball. He is so disciplined at the plate. Seven walks, one strikeout last week. Um, I'm ready for the Pasquantino show in the big leagues. I don't think we're too far off from it, I, especially if Carl Santana continues to bottom out the way he has. Um, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I, I, I said it preseason that I think there's a really good chance that Vinny gets called up before Nick. And a lot of it is what we're seeing that Vinny puts together better at bats right now. Nick is still figuring things out. And I do wonder about the mental aspect for a guy like Prado that kind of regained his prospect status that he's trying to a love up to it and B he knows that he's close. He's one call from the show. Uh, last year felt like it was just a good story that he, he got triple a and I don't think he was expecting a call this year. I do wonder if for him and Melendez, they're both struggling a bit, that they're they know that that call is coming and they're trying to press. Uh, I don't, and I think Vinny has played enough baseball. I mean, he's 24, that he, I think he just feels a little bit better right now. And I think he's a little more comfortable with who he is as a hitter and he's not trying to kill the ball. He's just making solid contact. He, he's talked about it. I don't try and hit home runs, I try to hit the ball as hard as I can every single time I make contact. And that's what he's doing. And he's cool with that. And the home runs will come because he's 6'4", 250 and, ma and makes it happen. So it, it's certainly been interesting to follow. But Vinny has another two to three weeks that he had, you know, like like this week. We could see him in Kansas City very soon. Well, and he was, he was able to go to camp, right? So Prado and Melendez – we're locked out of spring training for a while too. So, so I'm willing to give him a little grace and willing that's to fair. a little that's bit. That's totally like, fair. You missed a few weeks of spring training. Vinny's been there. So maybe that's the difference right now because we've seen Prado hit for power, a double, mm -hmm. a triple, three home runs. Melendez is ISO uh, 171, not terrible for a 111 Babbitt, right? I mean, he's just – At least for at least for him, he's still walking 15% of the time too. So yep. there, he'll, he'll get it going. Seeing the ball well. And I actually think this is more like – more likely what we could see from MJ Melendez in the big leagues. It's a good walk rate, 14, 15% and about 25% K rate. Like I do think there is some of that to his game and going to bop a few home runs and he'll have streaks like this when you're not getting as lucky and the ball's not falling your way. You have streaks like this. And when it does fall your way, you hit eight home runs in a week and look like a, a world beater for a little bit. So um, Brewer Hicklin did not have a great week after starting on fire in that opening week. Um, Gabriel Cancel, I what a fall from grace. I, I don't understand what happened here. I just I was a big Gabriel Cancel fan. Like we, we all were. were. Yep. But Emmanuel Rivera also hitting the ball really well. Also yep. walking more than he's striking out. 149 weighted runs created plus. So we could be seeing him get a look in some capacity somewhere on the infield. If Mondesi doesn't hit, maybe they take Mondesi out of the lineup on, on occasion, put Rivera at third, move Bobby Wood Jr. to shortstop. I don't know, but Rivera hitting, we know they like Rivera in some capacity. Mondesi not hitting really at all. Um, on the mound, Jackson Coar made his first start in Omaha. It was okay. He, 
they brought him up from Omaha last year, and he has totally been awful since. I don't know what to make of it. It's Some of it's between the ears. Some of it really is, I think, mechanical. But how much of those mechanics are because of what's going on between the ears? Um, the bullpen continues to be nails. Sam Freeman, seven strikeouts, has not allowed a run in four outings. Colton Brewer has allowed one hit, has 10 strikeouts in six innings. They've got some dudes down there that could come up and help the big league bullpen out here pretty soon. They've got some bats that I think are going to be up soon. This Omaha team could have a ton of turnover uh, really within the next couple of months. So uh, They've been fun to watch, though. I know they haven't done a lot of winning yet, but there's a lot to like about that Omaha team. So um, That's all i got for the minor league minute. Any, any other thoughts real quick? I wanted to kind of highlight that triple-A bullpen one a quick time. You mentioned a couple of them, but Freeman, Brewer, Quas, Tapia, Peacock, and Josh Dye combined for 18 in the third innings pitch this last week. Seven hits, two walks, 16 strikeouts, and no earned runs from the six of those dudes. Nails. That will absolutely do the thing. Uh, okay, so I don't know if y'all oh, – I know y'all saw it. Omaha won a game earlier this week with the most bizarre box score I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, so they're playing Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're playing Louisville, Triple A for Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, Omaha won six to four. And Louisville had four runs on 10 hits. And Omaha had six runs on two hits with 14 walks. I mean, Alex, like you've coached varsity games like this. I didn't expect this to be in AAA. Yeah, it happened to us today. Um, (laughs) We had something like eight or nine hits, three runs. The other team had a lot of runs on fewer hits than we had. Like, outscored us by a lot and had fewer hits than we did. They had, and we had, so they had fewer hits than we had, and we had fewer hits than they had runs. So. (laughs) that's very strange so i mean it happens in high school you don't expect that in triple a level i mean typically in triple a you're talking about guys who are journeymen that are just there or prospects they're getting ready to make their big league debuts walks like that typically aren't that big of an issue but i mean typically that's where you find that in double a right but yeah speaking of weird things that don't happen very often did you guys see the ending of the quad cities game yesterday some magic little little hidden ball magic down 6-2, Her Gonzalez on third. Juan Car- Carlos Negret hits a pop out to a shortstop, and they pull a successful hidden ball trick to end the game. To end the game. I mean, that is some Bush League bullshit, if you ask me. What are we doing here? I understand that they're supposed to try to hit uh, win games or whatever. We're there to develop, boys. We ain't pulling this hidden ball shit. Get it <laughs> out of my life for these minor league games. That's Bush League that's, I mean, typically, though, like umpires now will call time to avoid stuff like that. So, like, if, you, if you're unfamiliar how this all works, here's a two-minute, two-second rundown. Ball in play, out made, or a hit, right? And umpires will typically just call time. Yep. Time is not in again until the pitcher toes the rubber. The pitcher can't toe the rubber without the ball. Mm-hmm. So the hidden ball trick is almost impossible anymore. So what happens is the third baseman catches it, Time is never called. He just holds the ball, and the pitcher walks around the mound, can't tow the rubber, just walking around. Gerard Gonzalez steps off the bag. They tag him out. But again, typically, like, base coaches will ask for time. They will call time so that everybody can get set without the shenanigans. So mm-hmm. to even be able to pull off the shenanigans almost takes, like, the 
the the will of the umpire into play, right? And I mean, it's mm-hmm. like it's almost like uh, bad example, but it's kind of like umpires. If a runner misses a bag and the coaches don't see it, and the umpires do, umpires can't call the runner out on their own. Yep. The coaches have to appeal. And every now and then you'll catch an umpire like freeze and like look at the coach and look back at the field. Like, did he see it? Am I supposed to? Okay, quiet, quiet. Don't give it away. And like sometimes the umpires will like give it away because they've made it obvious. Hmm. So for again, for there to be shenanigans, to be, I don't know if it's Bush League, but for the shenanigans to be possible, like you almost have to have the umpires in on it. My, My opinion on this, don't get got. Fine. Don't get got. But I'm going to get mine more than I get got, though. Marshawn Lynch, (laughs) the prophet of our generation. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, That has been been the Minor League Minute brought to you guys by Drum Farm. Thanks again for for hooking up with us for the Minor League Minute for the 2022 season. Uh, Players of the Week. We voted uh, Carter Jensen our MVP of the week. Uh, Park Hill High School graduate, Kansas City kid. Three home runs, five walks, six strikeouts for Columbia this week. Uh, you guys voted Vinny Pasquantino on Twitter in sort of overwhelming fashion. Vinny Pasquantino got, hang on, Wi-Fi, 63% of the vote. Vinny Pasquantino, a 12-25 OPS, a double, a triple, nine RBI, seven walks, and a strikeout. I get it. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino is my personal hitter of the week. Alec Marsh is my pitcher of the week, so... Again, the three of us voted. We took Carter Jensen as our weekly MVP. Who was it last week? I can't, oh, Nick Prado. So mm-hmm. we have two different players now who have gotten their weekly MVP for hitting three home runs in a week. So if you want to win the RFR MVP of the week, just hit three home runs and we'll pick you. So um, MVP of the week, Carter Jensen. My player of the week is Vinny Pasquantino. My pitcher of the week is Alec Marsh for his nine strikeout performance. Uh, for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals the other night. Josh, give me your player and pitcher of the week. Yep, it's uh, Eric Sarantola. Like I said, struck out nine of the first 11 hitters in his start on his way to a 10K night for over five innings. So he's going to be my pitcher of the week in Saratola. And my boy Tyler Gentry going to be my player of the week. Has went for 8-14, four ribbies, a 4-2K to walk ratio, but a 15-54 OPS on the week with a stolen base, kind of. Uh, we'll, we can look at my Twitter timeline for the kind of reason, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how he does, but he's, he's got my book this week. Joel, give us your player and your pitcher of the week. Uh, I abstain because, uh, I thought we were do. I thought it was a together vote for player of the week and pitcher of the week. Uh, so I screwed up. I, I blew Falcon. Same, I'm very sorry. <laughs> Joel wasn't here last week. Joel was a late scratch last week, so he did not get to partake. Well, actually, yeah, he did. He sent it in, but. Um, my bad, y'all. Used his vote I will be better personal. next week. I will be better next week. Gotcha. So, Joel will be back with a player and a pitcher of the week next week. Um, gentlemen, any final thoughts? Josh, we'll start with you. Uh, happy Easter, everyone. It was a great day, great holiday. We actually got to go out to the Royals game on Friday night, and my son's been carrying around a baseball ever since. So, let's see. Let's see what happens. That's start, outstanding. D- duct tape his right arm behind his back, have him start only throwing left handed, and uh, get free college. He's got lefty and righty going, baby. He's going to be oh, the epic, got, ambidextrous pitcher again. Got Pat Vendetti going. There we go. Yeah. All right. So my final thought: We've seen PitchCom is a thing now. The little uh, automated wristband the catcher wears. I've watched 
dozens of baseball games so far this year. It's been brought up on every single broadcast at least once. And I was listening to a, a podcast today with Lucas Giolito, a pitcher for the White Sox, and they were talking about the, the automated voice is like a male Siri voice, a super automated robotic. And so they started talking about what voice do they want to hear? Would you prefer to hear in your ear as you're pitching and calling a game and keep yourself? So my question to you is, what voice would you like to call your pitches for you? Morgan Freeman. I don't, I don't really care what it is, what we're narrating. That's the voice I want to hear. Fastball. And that just dreamy Morgan Freeman voice. I, I would dude, lose it. I would lose it on the mound. I wouldn't be able to like focus. I'd be like, okay, Morgan, whatever you want. That's the that's the thing. Like, I, I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more ampage. A little bit more up, but I don't need it to be too much. So I'm gonna go Mark Wahlberg from The Departed. Like that, just that, just low key condescension in his voice. He's gonna make <laughs> me pissed off and enough to like burn a fastball by somebody. Amp it up a little bit. But it's not going to be too much. So give me Mark Mark Wahlberg from The Departed. Is Boston it, accent as well. Is it Mark Wahlberg or Alec Baldwin when they're 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 waiting on the Chinese businessmen for the microchips, and one of them says to the other, "He's like, oh, I'm the guy that did my job. You must be the other guy. You're the other guy. That's like, Wahlberg. I can't remember who says it's Wahlberg? Yep. Says it to, did he say he's it to got, Alec Baldwin? He's got so many good lines in that damn movie. It's yes. so good. So I'm, I'm going with that. That's a, that's actually a good one because the condescending, like it would get you. Just get, get under your skin. Bit. You're like, nah, <laughs> nah, man. That's so funny. mine would be Liam Hendricks. I like that one too. Because uh, one, Australian accents are the best. And two, he swears like I do. So it would be, and he says some more colorful words because they're Australian and there are some certain swear words that they say in Australia that are a little more tame than, uh, or more um, acceptable Acceptable Uh, than they are in America that I would let him scream into my ear. uh, as (laughs) (laughs) That would be be? good too. Hmm. Yeah. Or if you could give me, there is a, Specific bit is one of my favorite comedy bits of all time. It's Robin Williams describing golf, the invention of golf in a Scottish accent. (laughs) Again, they swear in an incredible fashion. And that's just how I like, I'm one of those people like whenever I played, I needed to run through a brick wall because I didn't throw hard. So I had to like hit myself up and just run on pure adrenaline. I couldn't be relaxed. So that's how I would have to roll. Gonna knock a ball in a gopher hole. (laughs) 18 times. 18 times. Yes. That is a great bit. It is one of my favorite comedy bits of all time. So that just Robin Williams with the Scottish accent or Liam Hendricks. Speaking of great comedy bits, my final thought on the night. If you haven't seen the video of Burt Kreischer drinking Kool-Aid on Tom Segura's podcast, I laughed so hard for five minutes the other day (laughs) when I saw that for the first time. Like if you've never seen it, so they, they record it at like nine or 10 AM and Burt Kreischer is a big 64 ounce, like Yeti tumbler. And Tom Segura is like, what are you drinking? He's like, Kool-Aid. He goes, what? He's like red Kool-Aid. He's like, you're drinking Kool-Aid to start your morning. And so he, he pour, pours some in a cup. He goes, my God, you are drinking Kool-Aid. And then Tom Segura just loses it absolutely loses his composure on the set 
He's like, that is so much sugar. <laughs> and just starts, I mean, just making fun of him, just ripping him. He's like, people probably think that guy drinks so much water. Good for him. <laughs> Good nope. for him. No, nope, just Kool-Aid. That and it, and it is. He's like, and Burt Kreischer even said, he's like, that's one of those things where like you don't even realize how weird you are until someone points it out. So I want to know, gentlemen, what is something really weird that you do that you didn't know was weird until somebody pointed it out? Um my so i'm super fidgety like adhd fidgety and my fidget thing is baseball i sit like i from the time i could as long as i can remember always would just sit there with the baseball just sitting on the couch just messing with it my wife's just started my wife and i got married and i i just sit there and she just makes fun of me all the time i do it at the office i was just sitting there like this and someone was like did you catch a foul ball at the world's game I'm like no i just brought this from home <laughs> so that's that's my again like People know I'm baseball obsessed. That's I'm like Rex Hudler. You and Hood, yeah. <laughs> my, dad, my dad calls me Rex Hudler whenever he's yep. do it. That's outstanding. Like Josh, it. what is your weird thing that you do? I would probably I, I eat shrimp tails. Oh God. Like the tails <laughs> on shrimp that they say get stuck in your intestine. I'll eat those. Don't know why. Why? I don't know. My wife hates it. She gives me hell for it every time she sees me do it. But I'm just I am I am who I am, guys. I am who I am, and I eat shrimp tails. This is I where mean, you face it in your palms. I've got I've got nothing left. I don't know where to go from here. Like you think you know a guy. I mean, that is almost as bad as sleeping with your socks on. Don't tell me you do that too. No, I can't do that. I don't I can't trust people who sleep with their socks on. I know we've talked about that already in this podcast, but mm-hmm. my weird thing is I have to do everything with both like like if I I don't know, if I step on a, a line with my right foot, I gotta step on it with my left foot. If I catch a baseball right-handed, I've got to touch it in my left hand before I can throw it. Or like, I just I'm really like I don't know if that's superstitious or OCD, but like my, that, my yeah. OCDs are really like really like finicky, and I'm very much like uh, symmetrical with like I don't know with my OCD. That's like my weird thing that people have commented on before. I'm gonna tell you that that both of those tendencies that you guys have, I have the same kind of corks and they only get worse as you get older. Guaranteed. Is that, am I going to start eating shrimp tails as I get older? I don't know too? that that's just a different, that's not a, uh, that's not a completionist thing in me. That's just the thing that I've done my whole life. You don't put ketchup on your steak, do you? No, but There's I don't only really one man either, that can do so. that. And he makes half like a billion steak? dollars. It's fine. I, I grew up on it. I'm I've had enough steak. There's only one man like can do go that. to Sunday afternoon meal. Like you're cooking, you can cook whatever you want Sunday afternoon. Your wife's taking ribs. care of the kids, so you can cook ribs. Yeah, if I'm if I'm going after it, it's, it's probably a smoke smoke a rib or gotten into big time and then like wings lately. And I'll uh, I'll do some do some recipe experimenting with some wings in the air fryer. Wings are on the, in the air fryer. I was gonna oh, say yeah. wings oh. are great because you can smoke them in two hours. Yeah. Slap them on the grill and they're done. It doesn't like it's a smoking day, but it doesn't take forever. Like you can yeah. you can smoke wings in a couple hours and and yank them and they're done. Joel, Air what fryer. is your Sunday Sunday go to? Hmm. Wife's got the kid. You can cook whatever you want. What's your go to Sunday meal? I make a really good mac and cheese with like a, I make a beer cheese sauce like craft. Oh, okay, so not like craft. No, no. I make I make my own cheese sauce and I use a little bit of like Boulevard Tank Seven in it. It's prime really good 
I feel like I've been really Royals Farm Report potluck coming up. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that can happen because mm. I've really been into like really like taking care of my steaks lately. So mm. like every not every Sunday, but like lately on Sundays, I'll go to Price Chopper in the morning, get a couple of because Price Chopper they've always got something on sale. Lately, it's been the Casey strips, but a couple of weeks ago they had ribeyes on sale. It was like a two. It was like fourteen ounce ribeyes for like eight bucks. So I got a couple of those for the wife and I, and really like took my time to like do them do them up right and take care of them and like, oh my god, they're just I've just been cast. That, that's been my kick lately is like steaks on Sunday. Cast iron skillet, uh, to finish them. So like I yep. I slow cook them on the grill, yeah. And then bring them in and 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 flash them and baste them on the cast iron. <sighs> oh yeah. I will eat that. That's, that's good stuff. We need to do that. We need to pick a, a Royals game and and go out to the K. Um, Bring our smokers and our air fryers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can plug. I've got an outlet in my truck. You can plug the air fryer in. <laughs> and then none of us have a ride home. No. Well, no. That might. Be, that's a whole other issue. But... <laughs> We'll cross when we get there. Right. So, yep. Yeah. All right. It's been about an hour, gents. I appreciate your time tonight. Um, if you're still listening to this, A, thank you. B, <laughs> like, share, subscribe. Get your friends to do the same. I don't care if they listen to it or not. Grab their phone. Download the podcast. You'll be doing me a favor. I've done it to my family. I was at Easter on Saturday. I literally, like, Aunt Cat, give me your phone. My, my aunt is like 65. She doesn't listen to podcasts. I grabbed her phone, downloaded our podcast onto her phone. Go do it. It helps us. If you want to help us, help us do that. Download our podcast on other people's phones. Even if you don't know them, just download it. They'll thank you or not later. It's fine. Um, thanks to KCSC, Drum Farm, KCSN, everybody for their involvement. Thanks to Tucker behind the screen, and we will see you guys again next week. Thanks again. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.